And now I'm very thankful to share a few thoughts with you about this thing that we are calling, and it certainly is the greatest sermon ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, and we're in chapters five to, chapter 5 today, and we're going to be looking for these next several weeks at chapter 5, 6, and 7 in the book of Matthew. And I remind you, and I will remind you often over and over and over, of what Jesus said at the end of chapter 7. This is at the end of his teachings in this section of scripture when he said that those of you that hear my words and put them into practice is like the man that built his house on a rock and the storms came and whatever was thrown at the house built on the rock, the house did not fall. Now, I am going to take that very seriously in my life and I'm going to encourage you to take that very seriously because this is Jesus Christ. This is not Pastor Don. It's not some human person. This is the Lord and Master Jesus Christ saying we are to put these words into practice. And so as we study, teach, preach, talk about these things, I want you to take it that seriously. And last week, we had the privilege of reading the Beatitudes. They're, they're starting right at the beginning of chapter 5. And actually, I'm going to propose to you that the Beatitudes and the passage of Scripture that we're looking at today related to salt and light, that this goes hand in hand. Now, they're very different. However... I want us always to realize and think about the fact that Jesus Christ is the master teacher. Now that means he's the master of teaching and learning and what you and I need to know. And so I believe that the Beatitudes, mysterious though they are, and even I would say somewhat quiet though they are, they're different, and sometimes we don't understand, and several people have come to me and thanked me for teaching or preaching on this last week and even today, because sometimes we don't understand when it says, blessed are the meek, or blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, or blessed are those that, those that are peacemakers, but we need to open ourselves up to what the scriptures say there, because they are very real and powerful statements about how we're to live our lives. And then we come to this section that we're emphasizing today, and I'm thinking that it is just another part of Jesus Christ's great teachings when he says that you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. Because he's gone from these fairly quiet and somewhat mysterious and a little bit of veiled beatitudes. And then he's gone to something very real, practical, and obvious in front of you and me, but also in front, certainly, of the people that were sitting there on the mountainside 2,000 years ago. And so please understand that this whole section and the whole Sermon on the Mount is a guidebook 
for you and for me as far as living our Christian lives. And so I want to go back and I want to read the Beatitudes and then we're going to move in to the salt and light, but to refresh and to think about because very powerful they are because in the right at the first of chapter 5, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So those powerful but yet somewhat unusual or mysterious statements are a guide for you and me. And then, in this dramatic contrast, Jesus says to me and says to you, you are the salt of the earth. Now, I want you to just stop there and think about it. What is salt to you? Well, to be honest, salt for me is something that I really must put on my tomatoes. (laughs) Because if I eat a tomato, eh, but when I put salt on it, ah, there it brightens it up. And it sort of gives it life. And we usually use salt to do that. We enhance the flavor of our foods with the substance salt. But think back 2,000 years ago. They didn't have some of what we had. They couldn't go to Home Depot and buy a refrigerator. They didn't have a way to preserve their food. And so what did they do? They put salt on it. Now, I don't understand that. I don't understand the chemical reaction, but that's what I understand that happened. They preserved their food. They enhanced their food. They continued their food with the substance of salt. Now, there's a lesson here because we Christians are called to bring flavor and perseverance to our relationships, to our families, to our church, to our community. And it is a salt picture, even as we had a picture of the broken body and the spilt blood. So when it says that you are the salt of the earth, I believe very much that salt gives life and it also prevents, excuse me, prevents decay. It prevents destruction. Now please apply that to yourselves as we are, I always ask to me, to you, for it to be applied to ourselves. Because in your Christian life, 
do you need to enhance your life? Well, Jesus says you're the salt of the world. Well, we need salt. We need to be salty. And we need to enhance our lives with salt. And then do we need to prevent destruction? Who's in charge of destruction, folks? Satan. Satan causes decay and deterioration and destruction. And through being salt and you and I being salt of the earth and salt in our lives and salt in each other's lives, we can prevent destruction. I believe it just as surely as I'm sitting before you. And coming to the word life. If we're working on life, where do we get life? What did Jesus say about life? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus Christ is the author and the foundation of our life that comes from being salty. But I also want to point out that Jesus in this verse of Scripture said, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Now, I want you to think about that. You are the salt of the earth. That's what Jesus Christ said in this statement. You are to be salty and to promote life and prevent destruction. But if you lose your saltiness, if you lose what the value of your saltiness is, if you are compromised or diluted or contaminated, then Jesus has said it is no longer good for anything. Oh, my goodness. I don't want Jesus Christ to look at me and say, Don, you're not good for anything. In his way and in his will and in what he's called me to be, I want you, me, us, his people, to be good for whatever he wants us to be. And so for him to say to me, you're not good for anything, for him to say to you, you're not good for anything, however, we have to be very careful because the contamination for the saltiness is all around us. And it's also within us. We all are sinful creatures. Every one of us in the room is selfish. You want to do it your own way. I want to do it my own way. And in that, there's contamination. There is the possibility of salt losing its saltiness. And in that, we then lose the power and the privilege of preventing destruction. Now, also, this world has all sorts of contamination. And even in the church, I'm so sorry that I have to say this, but not this church so much, but the church across our world. There's all sorts of contamination. We have all sorts of labels. We have liberals. We have moderates. We have conservatives. We have fundamentals. We have legalists. We have all sorts of things. And every time we put a label and every time we see a group that has a label, 
then that means there is a division. Therefore, I'm afraid some contamination of the saltiness that Jesus wants us to be to the earth, to the people around us. And so, how do we stay salty? Jesus Christ. We must abide in him. I love and we talk about often John 15. But it says, he says in John 15, I am the vine and you're the branches. If you remain in me, then you will bear much fruit. What is he saying? If you remain in me, you will be salty. You will be the salt of the earth. But by implication, if you don't remain in me, if you don't focus on me, if you don't listen to me, if you don't pray to me, if you don't read my word, if you don't show your obedience and commitment as a Christian man or woman, contamination is going to come in and you're going to lose your saltiness. And then, and I'm so sorry even to say it, but it's here. Then Jesus might say to you or me, that you're no longer good for anything. Heaven forbid. So we stay focused on Jesus Christ. We stay connected to him. And then we maintain our saltiness. And we maintain life and the prevention of destruction. Then he goes on and he says this other powerful thing. We've got salt and now he's saying, you are the light of the world. Now, that strikes me initially as a little unusual. Because what did he say in John 8, 12? It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Oh, my goodness. He said, you are the light of the world. And now, in another place, saying, I'm the light of the world. How can that be? But it certainly is. Because the only way that you and I are light of the world is because he is the light of the world. Okay? We don't do it by ourselves, folks. We don't do it because of a church. We don't do it because of cute programs or interesting things. Or We are the light of the world because he is light of the world. And we're back to the same principle again. We must be involved with him. And it is an individual matter for you and me as Christian people. Individually. Right now I want to talk to you as an individual. As a man or a woman sitting here seeking to know what Jesus is asking of all of us in this passage of scripture. Because he says, you're the light of the world. And I am the light of the world. And so when we live in him and he lives in us and we stay connected to him and we read his word and we abide by his ways, then yes, he is the light of the world. And yes, I am the light of the world or you are the light of the world. But if you try to do it just because you're part of a church or you're part of a Christian organization or you want to do it because you go to church every Sunday, that's not what we're talking about. This is a matter of integral, integrating yourself 
with the spirit and the person and the relationship of Jesus Christ. And then when we are integrated, when we are connected, then I then become the light of the world. And it says, A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. I pray that my light is not hidden and put under a bowl, but that it is instead put on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. My goodness, think about that. When your light is shining, when you're with Jesus Christ and you're showing forth his ways and his spirit, it gives light to everybody else around you. That's what a church is supposed to be, the fellowship of believers. It gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and give glory and praise to our Father in heaven. So this is an individual matter. And so you come down to whether or not you're going to be the salt and light. And the light, I read this scripture to you from verse John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, I'd like to propose that we change the word if to as. But as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. I stop because I want you to think about these phrases. As we walk in the light and with him as he walks in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. That means we are a family. We're, we love each other. We care for each other. We build each other up. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So, as I usually do, I come down to the concluding thoughts of this teaching. And I say to you, and I say to myself, so what are we going to do with this? <laughs> These are beautiful words from Scripture. These are wonderful teachings from Jesus Christ. I am pleased to share them with you. I'm pleased to read them. I'm pleased to study them. I'm pleased to think about them. They're amazing. They're challenging. But that's not enough. What am I going to do with them in my life, in my family's life, in the church, in my ministry? What am I going to do with the fact that Jesus is saying that I am the salt of the earth, that I am the light of the world, and that the only way I do that is in and through and with him as my Lord and Master? So I ask you, what are you going to do with it? And I pray that you will take my 
question seriously. What are you going to do with what Jesus Christ says? Please pray with me for a moment.